Welcome to Built by Us, a podcast created by Democracy North Carolina, a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization dedicated to building a political system that works for all. My name is Liz Rodriguez. I'm your host. And in this episode, I'm sitting down with the Northeast region and Reggie Barrett to talk about what activism looks like in Northeast North Carolina and what it means to him. Reggie had a lot of inspirational thoughts and experiences to share with us, and I can't wait for you to hear them. So here it is. We're here with the Northeast region with Kenna and Nikasia. Do you two want to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Nikasia King. I am a recent graduate of East Carolina University. I graduated with a double major in applied sociology and psychology. I also will be attending ECU for my master's degree in sociology there. I joined Democracy NC because I wanted to make a difference. I was involved in some protests on campus, but I felt like I wasn't making a real impact. So Democracy NC has given me the opportunity to do that. Hi, my name is Kenneth Peterkin. I'm a rising senior at East Carolina University. I joined Democracy NC because I wanted to help make a lasting impact on voting rights and things that might change in the future pertaining to our voting rights. We're here today with Reggie in Greenville. Reggie, do you want to tell me a little bit about yourself? So yeah, I'm a native of Eastern North Carolina, born right here in the city of Greenville, raised in a little community called Scuffleton, North Carolina, which is in Greene County, where I attended school and went out to college at North Carolina Central University majored in political science. I consider myself a person who grew up with the mindset of giving back to my community and always wanted to be active in community. Uh, I was raised like it within my church, uh, Boy Scout, 4-H, all that good stuff that encompasses to teach you about community, to teach you about having pride in community and, and people around me. So that's kind of a snippet about who I am. So our first question that we wanted to ask you, how did you become involved with NAACP? NAACP, so honestly, I've always stood in awe of the organization all my life, looking at history books and knowing the role that the NAACP, the National Association of Advancement of Colored People, played in our our society. And I've always stood in awe in it. And it was probably about, ooh, quite a few years ago now that the president, the current president, was at our house to deal with a family matter that we needed civil rights help with. And he left an application. I said, I want to join. And not only did I join, he kind of said, I want to put you immediately to work. So I came on board as a member of the education committee. So of course, I told you I was majoring in political science. So I always had a niche. I want to work in politics. So eventually became a part of the political action committee and ended up becoming the chair of the political action committee and rose up to becoming an officer of the organization. And now I currently serve as first vice president and still currently serve as political action chair. That's kind of how I got into NAACP. Mm Mm-hmm. What sort of things do the political action chair, what, is, what does that involve? Oh, my God, everything that deals with policy and development and making sure the community knows or informed about the electoral process. One of our biggest goals is to push voter registration, voter mobilization, and voter education, which is one of the ways I got involved with the Democracy NC also as we're coming to their meetings because we partner with them on, on the state level and on a local level. So, you know, just big on just, just making sure our community had the information out there. And they were able to make informative decisions when they were going to the polls. So that was a big role, just to really make sure we, our community was registered to vote. And not only they registered to vote, they were getting out to the polls to vote. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. So how did you become involved with the Young Urban Professionals? Young Urban Professionals, the Eastern North Carolina Yup of ENC, we call it. So I became involved in Yup because I wanted to build a professional platform for minority young people where there was none. In our community, I didn't really see a, a strong presence of representation for minority business owners and people who were interested in becoming entrepreneurs. And I was having a conversation with Marquez, and because Marquez knows everyone, <laughs> he 
he knew somebody in another community that was thinking the same exact thing and they had experienced the same thing kind of had the same ideology that i have about it he said we needed to connect so he actually set up a meeting between me and her and so it just kind of started just kind of blossomed out of a meeting and we became the first officers including marquez and kind of built that organization from ground up now it's a full nonprofit, and we meet monthly we do a lot of great events in fact they did something yesterday down in newburn most of our officers live out of newburn and the rest of us live on this side so we, we have attempted to brand that organization as someone who has a mission for seeing young people and young adults and adults all alike. If you're old in age and have a youthful mindset, we wanted to have a creative way of entertaining our vision and still actually driving home a point of how we need to have entrepreneurship, why is it important and why we need to build that model in our communities and have a representation at the table. So I know you've already spoken about some of the issues that are important to you, but can you tell us a little bit more about those issues that are important to you? Social justice issues are important to me. I think the climate that I've grown up in and live in currently really has uh, resonated why I do the work that I do. If you want to be truthful, I woke up this morning burdened and, uh, and really troubled about the rally that took place here in Greenville, North Carolina last night. And I realized that I wanted to live in a country that upheld the uh, the Declaration of Independence opening statements that, you know, we should hold truth, self-evidence that all men are created equal and we have the right to life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And I think that those words itself let me know that I believe in something greater than what I see. And I have always pushed to work for the greater good of humanity, for the greater good of, of my fellow citizens. And so with that cause, whatever issues that support progressiveness and support inclusiveness matter to me from education to health care to women's rights to lgbtq rights to rights for people of color to immigrants rights whatever you list they just they're important to me because it's a part of this whole human race that we call people and that we love and we want to see them shine and we want to make sure that our community is, is inclusive of all those folks so that's what's important to me yeah i totally agree so how does your involvement in those two organizations that you named help you address these issues Particularly the NAAC has a platform for over 110 years. They've been fighting for civil rights and equality and justice. So it, it clearly had a platform that was already established. Uh, coming into the NAACP it, in the work that I did on the local level and actually, you know, going to some of the state conventions and the state rallies and things. I think what really empowered me when I met folks who had a natural niche for this fight for freedom. I remember actually after, after, soon after I joined the NAACP, rose to that uh, our state president was Reverend William Barbara the uh, second and I really thought that I said all and still do of the work that he does and you know the map that he laid out for our state and for you know folks who were trying to build this progressive movement and and and, and build a model that was going to be inclusive of all people like I said earlier so that really kind of just motivated me to want to do more right you know motivated me want to get out there and, and, and I still feel like there's so much more that I'm not doing there's so much more that I can do and, and I think he and others that I saw, you know, you know, going around the state and, you know, traveling different places and actually, you know, seeing that we have come so far, but we yet have so far to go kind of keeps me on point with like I, there's so much I can do. Like I, I go home, think about this every night. And a lot of my brothers and sisters in the communities, we talk on a regular basis. How can we be agents of change? How can we continue to build this model to work for all people? Reggie, so both of the work that you do in these organizations is really important. Why is it important that organizations like this exist in our community? The late uh, Mr. Didi Garrett used to say that until we have eradicated our society of injustices, 
the NAACP can't go out of business. <laughs> it's still relevant, yeah. you know, until we see change, until everybody's inclusive of all people, no matter what race, creed, or color, no matter what of their sexual, sexual orientation, no matter what they, what place they come from, socioeconomic status or what, we can't, you know, stop the work until it's inclusive of all folks. So I think that's what keeps these organizations relevant. That's what keeps us moving forward and, and continuing to develop new ways, yeah. innovative ways, creative ways to be strategic about the work that we do. That's one great thing about Democracy NC, joining this organization and getting to work with Marques. He's been really like influential, inspiring us to like uh, do more. Like Even with our event that we have coming up with the uh, women's empowerment, at first we were uncertain of how far we should take it. But Marques being there and Democracy NC as a whole being there has been cool too. So yeah. Are you involved in any other organizations that you like to talk about? There's a lot of, lot of other organizations I, I work with, but typically around the same model around collective organizing, around, you know, just being a part of something that's greater than me. A lot of times folks tend to get on themselves, on the bandwagon of trying to make themselves great. You can't make yourselves great. You know, just want to be a part of something that's greater than you, that, that, li that will outlive me. You know, that you do the work that will outlive you. You know, we talk about folks that we study in, in history that, that, that has been dead long and gone and we don't, you know, we never see again on this side. And we say, hey, man, their impact is greater than them because we're still talking about him today. We still talk about Dr. King. We still talk about, I was, I was quoting one of his quotes this morning about standing on the right side of justice. And I thought, wow, it's as relevant today as it was over 50 years ago. You know, uh, it's as relevant today as it was back then in the sixties when we thought, you know, they were making greater significant changes in our society. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how that goes. I, I really believe in that. The, the, the organizations that I work with outside of these two is paramount to everything that I do. It's, it's, I'm a servant, and that's what I, you know, that's what I feel like I was called to do. That's what I was brought into this world to do, is serve for the greater good. Yeah. Okay, so as you probably know, Nikasia and I are summer interns, so one of our main focuses for the summer was to promote our For the People campaign. One of the focusing elements of this campaign is to restore the last Saturday for early voting. So right now, people can only vote from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. on weekdays, which heavily influences the representation of voters who are students and people of color and people who are working because they can't make the polls at those times. Another one is online and automatic voter registration. So this would allow people to update their information or change their information, anything they need to do as far as registration is concerned, so they're not turned away at the polls. And then we also have three other parts to our For the People campaign. Another one is the redistricting commission. So we're trying to get a citizen-led committee to create the maps because unfortunately, currently in the hands of lawmakers, they can be made in a biased way. So that's just an aspect of the For the People campaign. And then another one was working on the felony sentencing. So currently, after you do all your probation, pay your fees, you actually are allowed to vote again. But a lot of times there can be a lot of confusion with the individuals themselves and their probation officers on when exactly they can vote again. So this ad, this part of the campaign would just make it so that they wouldn't be charged with a second felony simply for misunderstanding the law. And then the last component of the campaign is working with getting the digital campaigns into like the modern age. So currently lawmakers have to like say that they endorse this message on TV and on the newspapers and stuff. So this aspect would just bring it into the modern age of having them have to also take credit for any ads that they have on social media and stuff as well. So out of all of these proposals, which one do you think is the most important 
Yeah, it's kind of hard, right? Right. I mean, you can pick more than one, I guess. I mean, I mean, honestly, I think all of them are equally important. I mean, I don't think you can look at any of these issues, any of these laws that are on this paper, right, that you put in front of me and say that one of them ranks the other. We need restoration of the final Saturday of voting, early voting. We need that because, of course, it gives people more flexibility in getting to the polls and vote. And that counts. We need that. Uh, we need to make sure that felons have the right to get their votes restored and make, make it easy. We don't want to complicate that matter. I mean, typically it's always hard to get folks who are convicted felons and get their rights restored. It's hard. They already feel uncomfortable about going back and re-registering to vote anyway. So making that process even harder, making them question it would also make them doubt that whole process of actually wanting to re-register to vote. So I think that would be, that's important. And, and, and of course, who wouldn't want to make voter registration easier? We're in, we're in almost 2020 and everybody's dealing with technology at the palm of their hands. So I think having the process streamlined much easier is very important. Same thing with digital communications. We need to be able to look at Facebook and censor what lawmakers are endorsing. And of course, redistricting commission, we that we know that's a very important one. You know, making sure that every vote counts is very important. So I think all of them are equally important. I think this is a powerful agenda to see for the people because this is this is what I'm talking about. This is inclusive of all types of people and it touches the lives of every person every voter in our state and in our community. I know that you have talked a little bit about why you became involved in community activism, mm -hmm. but could you elaborate more on that process? Oh, the process was, it seemed like every time, every time I went somewhere, I got, I would have conversations with people and, and these conversations were led to, we need to do this. So we need to do more of this. We need to make voter registration more appealing to young folks or whatever the case, whatever the case was. So the process is like, hey, in order to do that, you got to do more work. <laughs> so activism is not something that you just kind of wake up one day, I'm going to do it. Something that you got to be committed to for a lifetime because it just doesn't, it doesn't end. Because as much as we try to create easier ways for our, our constituents and our citizens to, to feel like they're a part of the greater good, there's always some pushback. <laughs> and so we always have to be willing to fight, you know, fight for freedom. We always have to be willing to fight to win. So yeah, activism is something that, that doesn't end. It actually grows. And the more you stay in it, the more it gets put on your plate. But it's not a bad thing. It's really rewarding at the end of the day. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. So what have your years in activism taught you? Mm, taught me patience. It taught me that it doesn't change overnight. It taught me what I said. You got to keep coming back. And it, it, it does not necessarily mean that the problems go away. You got to find new solutions every day, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh, it's, you know, we, we, we don't we don't necessarily count them as losses. We count them as we got to figure out a new way to go back and address this issue again, mm -hmm. because uh, inequalities don't end. Somebody different comes up and, and writes a new bill or, and, and we're, while we're sleeping, they come back and they say, hey, let's let's try to pass this law. And so we have to be quick to understand that in the years that I've been active, that I've seen some things that I've never thought I would see. <laughs> and I've heard some things I never thought I would hear I, I, and, and actually truthful some of the work that we're doing now, I never thought I would be a part of. I thought that was in my parents' generation to to worry about, you know, making it easier for voters to get to the polls or worry about that we even hear that certain people will be alienated from coming into this country. You know, just things like that. You thought we're not ever going to have to experience that. Or racism would not be something that we would experience as blatant as we're experiencing right now. So, yeah, I've seen a lot. So, but what it does, what it's taught me is patience. What it's taught me is perseverance. It's taught me to be committed because, like I said earlier, this is not something you just you marry today and you just divorce tomorrow. If you want to see change, you got to stick with it. Mm -hmm. That's what it's taught me. Hold on.
Change is coming. Mm-hmm. So, Reggie, before we go, one last thing I want to ask you is you've obviously been an activist for most of your life and you're really passionate about it. What would you say to someone who is looking at society right now and they don't like what they see and they don't know how to get involved, but they want to? What would you say to them? What I would say to them is find where you fit in. There's so many organizations out right now that are doing the work of, 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 of community organizing or just doing organizing work in general. Find where you fit in. Find that organization that 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 talks to the issues or speaks to the issues that are you're passionate about and just jump in. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have all the solutions. You'll figure it out and you'll meet great people like yourselves. You'll meet great people like Marquez and other folks who will get with you and you'll 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 exchange ideas and you'll find a way to make it work. Just hang in there. Hang around the fire. Yeah. Just keep just keep coming. Hang in there. Hang in there. <laughs> well, Reggie, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you. We hope you join us in creating a North Carolina that's built by us. Thanks for listening to this podcast made of, by, and for the people. Bye. Connect with us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at DemocracyNC. Or you can visit our website at democracync.org.